Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. Good evening, everyone. There's a few familiar faces, but a lot of new people. Seven years ago this month, Barb and I, along with Brian, kicked off the harbor in our living room. And we had our first uh, soft opening of the harbor in here. It was in August, and then we, at the end of August, started the harbor in full. And, you know, it's been amazing over the seven years. The first couple years, Barb and I were in here every week. Then uh, gradually just kind of handed it off to Brian because he was more than capable of doing it. And I know Brian's just a great leader, great teacher, and he loves you all. He loves pouring into your lives, and uh, we just felt such a need for young adults to come together. And you know the two biggest questions that young adults ask? Number one is, what should I do with my life? Number two, who should I marry? Those are the two biggest questions. Well, we're not going to talk about what you should do with your life. But we are going to talk about the other one tonight. And uh, how many married couples do we have in here, by the way? Any married couples? Okay. Uh, we'll have a little for you. Not as much. Okay. So maybe you can evaluate. Did we do things right before we got married and, and so forth? But there's going to be principles that will help in a, have a strong marriage. Um, so Barbara and I have been married 38 years. We're going to share our story first before we get into the teaching. And I, I wanted to put one number up on the screen before we even get started. We are going to take some questions at the end. So you see the number up there. Uh, Put it in your phone, jot it down, and we'll put it up at the end as well. If you have any questions that come up, feel free to, uh, and Tara will be taking the questions. We're going to take them raw, right as you send them in, and we'll, Barb will answer all the really hard questions, <laughs> and so that's why I have her here. But uh, I'm one of the pastors here at the church. I've been on staff for 20 years, and uh, my privilege to serve here, and Barb and I love doing ministry together. We have been married now 38 years, and I know you're looking at us like, they don't even look like they're 38, right? But uh, we are much older than 38, and we've been married 38 years, and I want to share our love story, and we'll do it kind of back and forth. Here, Barb, you got to... I don't know where my mic is. Here we go. There it is. Okay, all right. Uh, we're going to do it back and forth, but let me just start it first. We were both students at Iowa State, and kind of similar testimonies that we'd, we had gotten saved, we both got delivered out of ugly backgrounds. I was very involved in drugs and alcohol and immoral life, uh, Barb to some degree as well. And uh, God radically saved me at the age of 20 while I was in college, secular university. And I just plugged myself into a church and it was a campus church. And they really encouraged because all the people in the church, it was kind of like the harbor, we're all about the same age. We're all college students. And they really encouraged us to don't just date around for the sake of dating because they said, you know, it's going to have a lot of messy breakups and it'll cause division in the church. So they said, you can trust God for your salvation, so trust God for who you're to marry. And just really believe him and trust him for it. And I was like, well, that sounds good to me because I had been part of the dating scene and you know, a lot of breakups and things that didn't go so well. His, his, Plus, last, his last girlfriend went to prison before me, so... yeah. Just had yeah. to put And I should have there. been in prison too myself. Yeah. But another story. Yeah. So it was fine with me. Besides, guys, dating gets expensive too, doesn't it? <laughs> so I just gave that to the Lord and I said, I'm just going to pursue God. Oh, and uh, they cut your mic? Yeah, you're going to cut my mic on this one. 
So anyway, uh, but started serving, and Barb was in a, a Bible study. By the way, I have to tell the story about the, our first conversation. We were in a Bible study, just in the same community group in the church. and yeah. So, you know, you're, you're meeting people for the first time after Bible study. You don't know what to say to people. So, so we're just hanging out in the kitchen of this house. And I said, so what do you want to do with your life? And what did you say? And I said, you know, I really feel called to be a pastor. Now, that's not what I was going to school for, but I just felt a calling on my life to be a pastor. And then I said to her, what do you feel called to do? And I said, I want to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> and then I said, that's the most awkward thing That's ever. very awkward. Yeah. Okay. So and, I, like, and I think we pretty much just said, oh, and just kind of walked like, <laughs> did she just say that? You know. But anyway, uh, lo and behold, the pastor of the church asked me to lead a community group. And it was a co-ed group, and I was glad to do it. I was, I was growing in my walk with Christ. I've been saved for, for a little while. And um, he asked Barb to also be a part of that group to kind of minister with the women and help with the social things. And so uh, I was watching her life and studying her life. And when you say you're going to wait for God to bring the right person in your life, you, you, every time a girl catches your eye, you're like, God, is it her? <laughs> and then it's like next week, oh, is it her? Is somebody different? So you know it's not God when every week it's someone different. But as I was getting to know Barb, not on a date, just in community group and in, in the church and with mutual friends going out. I was just watching her life and studying her life. And I thought, she's a really godly person. And then I started to feel like, she's going to be my wife. And I didn't share that with anybody. And I still had more college. And I was like, well, uh, I shouldn't even be feeling this right now because I still got a lot of, I don't have any way to support a wife or anything. And so, but I was... In an internship between my junior and senior year, no, it was even before that, because I had an extra semester. I had a year and a half of school life. I was doing an internship, and I started to feel like I can't even concentrate on my work because I feel like I'm supposed to marry her. And I was like, but I, I, I can't do that right now. I got school. I got work. I don't, I, I don't have any money. But it was just like getting so strong, I couldn't even concentrate. So one day I went to one of the elders of our church and I said, would you pray with me? I feel like I'm supposed to ask Barb to marry me. And he said, well, yeah, sure, I'll pray for you on that. About a week later, I get a call from... Wait, you forgot one giant part. Oh, tell me. <laughs> okay. One giant detail was that we did not talk to each other. Well, there was no communication. No flirting. None. Zero. I mean, we talked just in groups. Like, what but, do you want for dinner Friday yeah. night at home group? That was our whole conversation right there. Okay. Yeah. Important detail. Yeah. So. <laughs> Very important. So I get a call from the pastor, and he goes, I know what you've been praying about. Evidently, the elder had uh, talked to him. And he said, I just want you to know, I bear witness with it. I feel good. It wasn't like a permission thing, but he's like, you know, I just feel good. You know, he, he could see you know, my calling and the fruit of my life, and he could see Barb and so forth. And so I hung up the phone from him, and immediately I called Barb. And I said, would you like to go out for a Coke? It was a Monday evening. It was about 7 o'clock in the evening. We'd already had dinner. And I said, do you just want to go out for a Coke? And she like, yeah, okay. So I was going to take her to this ice cream shop, and I was like, oh, man, I'm so facing my head right now. I can't even find this place. I couldn't find it. I knew exactly where it was, but I was just like, oh, I can't even think. Nervous. 
Yes, nervous. So I pulled into a pizza hut. <laughs> we went into the pizza hut, sat at the table. Nothing but the best. The lady hadn't even come over to take her order. And I reached across the table and grabbed her hand. And I said, Barb, would you marry me? <laughs> On our very first 10 minutes of our very first time to go out alone together. And you fill in the blank. I said, yes. <laughs> now, I'll tell you my side of the story. So, so I, had, I had told my family when, when we came into this ministry that, you know, they really strongly strongly encouraged you know it wasn't a rule but it was a it was a strongly encouraged thing don't date guys just just hang out and and be with friends be with you know be with these people and let god do the work and and so i had told my my family that and they're like get out of that cult that sounds awful that sounds you know and i'm i'm personally thinking you know i really want to get married i'm really not sure i want to do it this way but I submitted that to God. I gave it to God. And, and um, so then, yeah, so then I was in Dave's home group. And um, interesting because um, I started to pray for him as a home group leader. And I started to notice that my prayers were, like, pretty personal. And I'm thinking, God, that sounds like I want to marry this guy. And God just started to show me that he was the man that I had prayed for on my Christian walk. And uh, he was a leader, and he was confident, and he was all these things. He was on fire for God, and, and I really, really desired that. But z literally, we did not talk. I would see him talk to other girls, not me, not me. So why would I think that he would be in love with me, right? But finally, I went to the pastor's wife, and I said, I either have to marry this guy, or I can't even be his friend. And she said, okay, I'll pray with you. And here's the thing. She had gone to the pastor's wife three weeks prior to me going to the elder without us talking to anyone. Mm -hmm. God had put that on her heart. He was putting it on my heart. So then we were engaged. And for, for seven months, we were engaged, planning our wedding. We were, we were dirt poor. I still had a year of college left. We were so poor. This is really cutting out here. Yeah. I had, we had to take money out of our wedding cards Okay. Thank you, Seth. Um, we had to take money out of our wedding cards to go camping for our honeymoon. That's what we did. We went camping during spring break. In Iowa, you don't camp, camp in Iowa in spring yeah. break, so we drove all the way to South Texas, Padre Island, to go camping. But like I said, we've been married 38 years, been wonderful. Now, I'm not telling you guys have to do it. Our kids didn't do it this way. Yeah. Okay? They're all three married. But you know what? There is some common things that we're going to talk about tonight that will apply to anybody. So it's all level where that was just where our faith was at. That's what we were believing for. But the principles we want to teach tonight apply for everybody because they're biblical principles. Because one of the things I do here at the church is I do marriage counseling. And I've talked to many people who have gotten terrible situations in their marriage, divorces. Mm -hmm. And it's heartbreaking. The other thing I've done is I've probably done in my 20 years over 200 weddings, a lot of premarital counseling. Many people that met here in the harbor, mm -hmm. met on mission trips in the harbor, and I had the opportunity even to do their premarital and do their wedding. Mm -hmm. And I, I see patterns. So we're going to share with you tonight are patterns from Scripture. They work. Mm -hmm. For some of you, after tonight, you're going to hate us. 
Because you may feel like, ah, I got to maybe end a relationship. Oh, man, I'm trying to force this thing to happen. For others of you, hopefully, you're going to say, man, this is confirming. And others of you, you're going to say, man, I, I have some principles I can go by. Because you can't look into scripture and find who you're going to marry. But you can find principles on determining the types of, of th- wisdom that God can give us on who to marry. And I just want to say, too, that first of all, I'm proud of you guys for being here. I'm proud of you for being, you know, plugged into a ministry like this. Because um, you will look back at this time, at this season of your life and think, man, that was so critical. That was so crucial. The decisions I made then have set up my whole life. And so A, to serve God is number one. B is who you marry and, or if you marry. And, and so way to go to be here. We're, we're just coming alongside you. We're cheering for you. And this is, this is awesome. Yeah. Now, some of you right now have the gift of singleness. By the way, how many of you are single right now? If you're single, raise your hand up high. You have the gift of singleness for right now. Some of you may have it the rest of your life, and it is truly a gift. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 7. Others of you, use that gift right now while you're single, because someday you're going to be married and things are going to be different. So God has a different plan for each and every person. And so we're not here to tell you what that plan is. We're to try to tell you some principles. Uh, who you marry, though, is really the second most important decision you will ever make. And... Uh, I think we want to go to, yeah, let's go. Let's go to the first slide, Proverbs 18.22. Very important principle. You guys probably already know it. Look what it says. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. So is God into marriage? Yes. Does he, does he bless marriage? Yes. But look what it says there. He who finds a wife. Here's a first principle. It's not one of our points, but I want to, all you men out there, we strongly believe the men are to be the initiators. And all the ladies say, amen, okay? Men, don't let the women chase you. Don't let you have to be responding to their, you be the pursuer. He who finds a wife. Because if the lady has to lead before the marriage, the lady will have to lead after the marriage. So it's important for you guys to rise up. Now, I know many of you guys are afraid of marriage. You've seen a bad marriage, maybe from your parents, your friends. You're not too sure financially. Could I ever even do it? Let me tell you, we were dirt poor, but we had each other, and we started out great. And God blesses marriage when you do it his way. So I just want to encourage you men to take the lead, initiate. What should you ladies do? Well, don't chase them, but it's okay to get in their way, okay? Somebody you see, you know, it's okay to kind of get in their way a little bit, but the first principle we're going to teach here in a moment is going to help you guys so much in being able to, um, to know and how to start that situation. Anything you want to share before we get into number one? Well, I think that the, um, the bottom line is that this person that you marry, if you marry them, is either going to draw you closer to Christ or further away. Closer to Christ or further away. You will become like them, okay? So you need to know that. Do you want to, did I want to be like Dave? A hundred percent. And, you know, so, so we will absorb each other's qualities just 
because we're living together. So. And while we didn't date before I proposed, I had something even greater. I watched her for a year, looking at her character, studying her, seeing how she responds to people, seeing her serving, seeing her meeting the needs of other people, pouring in and praying for other girls. None of that stuff escaped. Even during worship, seeing that she was a worshiper of God. I was watching that because what was I looking for? I was looking for a godly woman. There are many people that focus mostly with their eyes. And now God's not going to give you someone you're not physically attracted to. There's going to be a physical attraction. But do you know if you make it about physical attraction, there's going to be people that are going to come and go in your life that you're going to be physically attracted to. You can't let it be about your eyes only. More importantly is your character, the heart. And that's what we're going to teach you some principles. So we're going to get in the first one, five keys in knowing who to marry. The first one is to trust God and make serving him your priority. How did Barb and I meet? We were serving in a church. We have three grown kids. Some of you might know some of them. They all met by serving the Lord. Two of them met through a young adult ministry here at the church. So there you go. Keep your eyes open. <laughs> one but was, we're not going with one, just eyes. <laughs> the first ones met serving at an outreach at FIT. Another one was serving by working at guest services or at the doors here in this actual building. So serving is a great way because you want to trust God. And here's the thing about serving people. Serving people are healthy people because they're putting someone else ahead of themselves. See, in life, you're going to find people who are healthy spiritually, healthy physically and emotionally, and they're going to say, I want to help others. Unhealthy people... You're not going to like this, maybe. Unhealthy people want people to serve them. I'm here for what you can do for me. That's called being needy. And if you're needy, no person, male or female, is ever going to be able to be good enough for you. Eventually, things are going to get out of whack, and you're going to feel like, well, I'm moving on to someone else. There's someone else needs to meet that needs. First of all, how do we keep from being needy? Our needs are met in Christ. And let me tell you something about Barb, and this has guided our marriage. She's number two in my life. I could never make her as number one in my life because the day she becomes number one, the hand of blessing will be off of our relationship because then she's become an idol. God has to be number one. So we trust God, and by trusting God, then we begin to serve him. Look at the passage up on the screen. Psalm 37, 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. In other words, serve. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. See, there's blessings as we are doing good for the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I believe those desires of your heart comes two ways. First of all, he puts the desires there, and then he wants to fulfill them. Twofold. But how does he do it? By trusting the Lord by doing good. Then you see the promise that comes. Many times people are just looking for, God, meet my need, meet my need. And they forget the rest of it. This is a conditional promise by God. And so that, that's why this is so important. I heard a quote this week. It said that I would, a guy said, I would never date anyone who's not serving in God's house. If he's not serving in God's house, he won't serve in mine either. 
or she won't, you know, I messed that one yeah. up. No, that's but you good. see what I'm saying? It's like you see the character of the person that you want to be with. See, part of the reason I know we have a great relationship is Barb and I, we're both servers. We both are willing to put someone else ahead of ourselves. And in a great relationship, I'm serving her and she's serving me. See, the worst kind of relationship is when selfish man meets selfish woman. And let me just be very blunt with you what that looks like. What is selfish man usually looking for? One thing. Oh, come on, you know it. Sex. You can say it in church. What is selfish woman looking for? Money. Well, it could be money. Wow. Somebody is. That came out pretty strong. Um, I think that's probably number two. I think the greatest one they're looking for is someone to love them. Love. Okay? That was good. That was good. And along with that money, along with that love comes paying some bills. Okay. But do you see how if a woman is looking for love, Uh, looking because I'm needy, uh and a man is looking for sex, a man can be very charming and show that love and even pull out the billfold and give the money, okay? Because he's looking for something in return. And a woman is willing to give away her body oftentimes because she's thinking that this is my way to be loved. Do you see how that's a recipe for a bad relationship? Selfish man meeting selfish woman. And so you've got to be very careful in there. Um, there was this, there's been some surveys looked at what makes a great relationship. And oftentimes when you ask people, what do you think is going to be a gr- what's going to make a great relationship? You know, people give the basic answers like, you know, physical attraction. Yeah. And s- certain, but there's one of them that you probably have not thought of that they have determined makes a great relationship. Now, for you married couples, same thing. Strong work ethic. That's worth the price of admission tonight. Strong work ethic. If you're dating someone and they're lazy, you're going to be picking up all the pieces for the rest of the relationship if you end up marrying them. Guys, I'm going to speak very bold, because I'm a guy, I can speak more boldly to you guys than I will the women. Guys, if, if your idea of doing life is just playing video games, playing basketball, it's just all about sports and, and not working, uh, you're going to have a hard time ever having a healthy relationship. Because where healthy relations come, come from is me giving to someone else, me serving them, not, in other words, working hard in the relationship and they reciprocating. What you don't want to have is a lopsided relationship, and that's when I see the relationships that are failing today, when, I, when they're in my office for marriage counseling, it's usually a lopsided relationship mm-hmm. because one is in control, one's, you know, doing things, and the other one is, is not. Shared responsibilities, shared control, both working hard is a recipe for a great relationship. You want to go into the next okay. part? Yeah. So- oh, and then this last point is why you're in this waiting period. I almost did, yeah. Oh, you want to share that part? No, go ahead. While you're in this waiting period, you might be thinking, oh, that's kind of a wasted time. I'm waiting for the right one to come and so forth. Look at this next thing, because this is such an important thing for everyone here in this, in this stage of, of waiting. It's more important, or more important than finding the right person is becoming the right person. 
So often we put all of our time and energy looking, where's the right person for me? Where's the right person? And you know what you want to be doing? Is developing yourself. Developing your character. Developing your work ethic. So if you're into video games and that's all you want to do in life and you're not working and not making money, uh, I would say the first thing you got to do is you got to like, okay, I got to get some balance in my life. I'm not against video games, by the way. You can play it. But, you know, I, I meet way too many people that are out of balance in that area. So that's why I'm picking on you gamers. But what you got to do is you got to say, I, I, want, I have to work. I have to get responsible. And so becoming the right person is actually more important than finding the right person. Because the person that you're looking for is probably looking for someone also that's strong. And if you're not strong, then why would they be even attracted to you? Okay, so I got a three-question test for you on how ready are you for marriage, okay? So by the time you answer these questions, you'll just know exactly how ready you are for marriage. (laughs) Okay, here we go. They're really deep, okay? Am I taking care of myself? That's the number one thing. Okay, am I, am I having a quiet time? Um, am I taking care of my health? Am I, do I take showers? Do I brush my teeth? Or am I just a total slob? Um, it's funny, we have friends that, uh, we, we had a friend one time, he told me, well, you know, I'm really praying for a, a girl that's like a model. And I wanted to say, he was kind of heavy, and I wanted to say to him, well, dude, you better get on that treadmill then because... <laughs> You got to take care of yourself. You got to put your best foot forward, not just so that you look like this hot bride or whatever. It's so that you can give your best to your spouse. I had a roommate in college once, and the guy he just did not like to do laundry, yeah. and so he had this huge pile of laundry, huge. and he didn't want to go do it. And it was like what he would do is like go through the pile of dirty clothes. He'd put something on, and then he'd take his, his deodorant and just kind of spray on the outside, <laughs> hoping to mask any smells that was in there. And I'm thinking, dude, you're going to be single a long time. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so how, am I taking care of myself? Second one, am I taking care of my stuff? Okay, pay your bills, pick up after yourself. You know, how's your car? Um, how's, your, how's your job? Do you get there on time? Do you, are you responsible um, and the third one is, am I taking care of others? Do I make time to care for other people? And here's why, I mean, I know this is super simple, but here's why I throw these three, three things out. Because if you're not doing these things, these are your first three arguments. Why do you leave your stuff everywhere? Why can't you take care of yourself? Why can't you clean up after yourself? You know, did you pay that bill? How come you don't care about me? Can you hear those conversations out of those things? That's exactly it. And so what we're encouraging you to do, what we did, we absolutely did, was use our time before we were married to work on these things. Get strong spiritually. I studied my Bible, and I, and I served people. I was in the sororities, and I was, I was doing stuff to um, reach out, to be stronger, to get in shape, to, to be ready to be married. So, yeah. Amen. So, oh, so I guess I keep going. Yeah, so, okay, so, so while we're waiting, okay, so you're in this waiting period. It's like Dave said, nothing's wasted with God. Wait on God like a waiter. That is powerful. Wait on God like a waiter. Like, how can I serve you, God? Because obviously each one of us is gifted differently. You know, your gift isn't the same as yours and yours isn't the same as yours. But if you use what God has given you, he will multiply your loaves and fishes and you'll change. Um, another thing, chase God, not girls, uh, or not girls or guys. Um, let me give you an example here. 
Um, our youngest daughter, um, Anna, was um, super intense. When she got saved, when she got solid in God, which took a while, but she got solid, um, she was super intense. She was in, doing prison ministry all over the place, different states, like with, I mean, in San Diego with these drug lords. I mean, it was like craziness. And people would tell us sometimes, you know, she's so intense, she's never going to get married because, you know, she just, she's just too intense. And I remember telling them, not for one guy, she's not. Because God's preparing her for the man that she's going to marry. And sure enough, that guy had been a missionary, and they were ready to, you know, take, you know, hit the ground running doing ministry together. So, okay. So let's say you're, you're serving. You're trusting the Lord. You're serving. Someone catches your eye. You're watching their character. You see they're godly. What should you do? Well, here's, here's one thing that we're big believers in, and this can work for anybody. Guys, especially if you're going to take the lead, ask a female in that situation, how would you like to go out for coffee? How would you like to go out for dessert? Please hear me on this. I think the worst thing you can do is say, how would you like to go out for a big fancy dinner or a movie? First of all, it sets a high expectation. Guys are going to pay a lot more money. But it, how do you get to know a person at a movie? Yeah. You're all sitting there in a quiet, looking at the, and then you don't know, like, should I hold, my, hold her hand? Should I put my arm around her? What the awkwardness? Just go to Starbucks. Go somewhere, and here's what you do in that situation. Don't even call it a date. You're just calling it, you're calling it uh, get to know each other. And what you're going to do, yeah, hang out. What you're going to do is you're going to come, and you're going to ask some questions to get to know them. And it should be reciprocal. Let's say you go and you talk to someone and you ask a few questions and all night long they do all the talking about themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, that probably is a person who's full of pride, full of themselves, mm -hmm. especially if they don't ask you questions back. Mm -hmm. They're not asking to get to know you. Here's what a great relationship starts out as. You're asking them some questions, getting to know them, and they're reciprocating and asking questions back. And it doesn't have to be 50-50, but it should be at least 60-40, maybe 70-30, but it can't be like 100% of the questions are coming from one person and the other person doing all the talking. So you want to take some time just to get to know them, and then you can see from there. You'll probably know within the first 30 minutes if it's going to go on to something else. But it sets a low bar, and it's an easy... Uh, on road into potential relationship. Now, if you ask or them out, out or out of a relationship, or out, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you haven't yeah. invested much into it. Right. So don't even call it a date. Just call it a, just a chance to get to know each other. And you know, ladies, if if a guy asks you that, you might think, well, I'm not interested in this person one bit. But maybe at some point in time, you, I know Katie, she kind of put Brian off for quite a bit until oh. Brian kept pursuing. And sometimes it's okay to pursue a little bit. And if you ladies feel like, well, I'm not too sure and so forth, it's okay. Everybody's situation is different. Now, you can't be a stalker. Okay. So, guys, you don't follow them around and continue to badger them and so forth about, oh, you know, you got to go out with me to, you know. So, we need to move on. Yes, we do. <laughs> okay. Number two. Okay. So, make sure you're on the same page spiritually. This is huge. 
we always say no missionary dating. I mean, I can't tell you how many girls have said, well, I think he's going to get saved. Well, I think he probably will. I think, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I could lead him to the Lord. Ten years into the, well, it won't even be ten years into the marriage. It'd be two years into the marriage. And then they'll be saying, we're not, it, this isn't working. That's what happens. So don't do that. Look for someone who is at your level or higher um, in their relationship with God. Because um, remember, um, you are going to, you're going to become like them. So you want to remember that. So 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship is can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? And what does a believer have in common with another with an unbeliever? What happens is <clears throat> you'll have different goals. And so let's say he wants to, uh, the guy wants to say, you know what? He wants to lead and say, let's go on mission trips. Let's serve in the harbor. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's give our money. Let's, let's do all this stuff. And the girl's like on this different page, like, I'm not doing that stuff. You can go, but I'm not going. I'm going to sit home and watch TV, you know? So it's like, it just sets you up for problems. Yeah. Especially when, as Christians, our first priority has to be God. Mm -hmm. And if you're yoked together with someone who's not, their priority is not God, it makes it really hard. The scripture says, do two walk together unless they're in agreement? And so there can't be that total unity, the two becoming one, mm -hmm. when one is following Christ and one is not. So, so important. Let me just say one other thing. I tell you what, you know, I love Dave. I love everything about him. Really, honestly, best friend, that kind of thing. But I tell you what I love most about him is his walk with God. I love that he's a man of God with integrity. I know he's always going to do the right thing. I know he's pursuing God. And I love that because I love to, I love to be in conjunction with that. And so, guys, be those leaders. Go ahead. You want to talk more All right. about Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so here's a question for you. <clears throat> Does God bless sin? When we're doing the wrong things, we all, want, we, know, we all know exactly what those things are, right? Does God bless that? Are you setting yourself up in a, in a relationship with a believer and an unbeliever or two unbelievers? You're setting yourself up for, to miss the blessing of God. But when we do things the way God wants us to, um, God blesses that. So, um, okay, so 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. So let's say you're in that situation. Break, and I hate to say this, but I'm just, we're just speaking truth and love here tonight. Break off wrong relationships and add the right ones. And a great place to meet people is in the harbor and in community groups. Okay? Great place, because they're all in your same uh, time of life. The other thing is your, your life purpose cannot be accomplished if you stay in a compromising relationship. So is it worth it? I'm telling you, we have dear friends, I hate to say this, who married someone who was not in the same page spiritually, and their life is on hold. And they are anointed, they are gifted by God to do things, but they're hanging back to please their spouse. And that is sad. Okay. So. So let's move on to number three. So we already talked about number two, be on the same page spiritually. Number three is take your time. Pay attention to their heart, words, and priorities. And you might be saying, well, Dave, you didn't take your time. You proposed on the first date. <laughs> I studied her for a year. 
I watched her when she didn't know I was watching her. That's scary. <laughs> I took my time. I actually wanted to take more time, but God was like, nope, now's oh. the time. I have to say this, too. My last year of college, was my, when I was married, was my best grades. I was more responsible because all of a sudden I was married, but a whole other story. But you want to take their time. Because he, because he, met, he married an editor, and I suddenly edited his <laughs> she work. Did, she did help me. Oh, I forgot that detail. Yeah. There was some benefits. That so, helped. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Proverbs 19, verse 2 says, desire without knowledge is not good. Hmm. So some of you have the desire, sure. but you don't have the knowledge. That's not good. How much more will hasty or quick feet miss the way? Most of the time when you make a bad decision, there's some elements involved with it. Like one of them is you're not seeking God. You didn't pray about it. Another one is you made a quick decision. Take your time. Hasty decisions, as it says there, will miss the way. So we don't want to miss God's best. Um, Matthew 12, 33 through 35 says this. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Jesus was pretty strong with these, the religious people here because he's called them. He says, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? Because here's the principle you're going to go by now. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good is stored in them. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in them. Can you see what's in a person's heart? If we've already established how character is so important, you know character is a heart issue, can you see a person's heart? Can you? Not really. But, you know, according to this scripture, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So while we can't see what's inside a person's heart, you know what we can do? We can listen. We evaluate with our ears. That's why the point I made was that we don't want to do things quickly, that we want to study, pay attention to their heart, words, and priorities. How do they respond when they get cut off in traffic? Ooh, that's, an, that's a bad one. And by the way, there's nobody perfect. You're not going to marry a perfect person. But you know what? The longer you're with someone, you're going to see what comes out of their mouth. If they're always cutting everybody down, if they're very critical, they see everything very negative, guess what? Someday you're going to be the object of that. If they have a positive outlook on things, that's a good thing. It shows you what's in their heart. So the ears is a very valuable thing when it comes to evaluating. Most people don't think of it because they think, oh, we're just talking about what we have common interests and fun things and so forth. But as you take time with a person, listen to what comes out of their heart and see. I have found in my working with couples four common things, and the more a couple has of these things, the more likelihood they're going to struggle in their marriage these four things. Number one, a quick marriage. You know, they met and it got married quickly. Number two, no premarital counseling. Number three, sexually active. And number four, needy. Those four things I have found are common threads that run through problem marriages. Now, 
and that's based on 20 years of working with many, many couples. Here's why I can help you. Don't be quick. Don't be sexually active. When you do find someone, have a pastor involved, do premarital counseling, and don't be needy. Serve, like we'd already talked about. Those will go a long ways. You have something here to throw? Okay. Number four, study the relationships around them. This is one that a lot of times people don't think of. They're studying the person that they're thinking about marrying, but study the relationships of people around them. What does that look like? How do they relate to their parents, their boss, the government, the police, anybody in authority? How do they, so people above them, how do they respond to people around them? Do they have a lot of friends? What type of friends do they have? And if they have any type of leadership responsibilities themselves, how do they respond to people that they're leading? Really important, see how they respond to other people. It will give you an indication of what, what's going on inside their heart. Again, nobody's going to tell me what to do. They have an attitude that people above them can't give them any direction. They're all stupid and all this kind of stuff. Red flag. They have very few friends. And their friends are like, they're constantly writing them off and going on to somebody new and so forth. They don't have any long-term friends. Red flag. Here's another important thing. And I've seen this because I've worked with a number of couples that they've gotten into a dangerous relationship. You know what I'm talking about, danger? Like abusive relationship? Here's a common theme. Is a person, usually the guy, will pull the woman away from her friends, pull her away from her family, and it's like they, they seclude themselves. It's only us two together. Red flag. Usually it's because that person feels like they have... They have, they're, they're trying to hide something, and they don't want to be found out. So ladies, especially you ladies, have other people involved with you in your relationship because they're going to be a better judge as well as do they see, like, yeah, I, you know, you ever see, like, oh, I could definitely see them together. They make such a great couple because they see it in both of them. Or sometimes people are like, oh, boy, what are they getting themselves into? I don't know about that. Involve people. Listen to people. Okay, that goes to the next one. Okay, number five. Here we go. Oh, I didn't use the scripture for number four. Oh, whoops. It says, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. So look at the fruit in a person's life. Is it good fruit? Is it bad fruit? You'll recognize people by their fruit. Okay, now you can move Okay, on. Okay, number five. Listen to the input of godly people. Um, when Dave and I were fall falling in love, and we didn't know it, um, we both went to our mentors and privately, and we, you know, like we said, we both said, hey, what do you think? I mean, it was not a, a permission thing. It wasn't like, hey, you know, it, it wasn't weird. It was for godly counsel. Matter of fact, um, Brian and Katie came to us, and we went out to dinner with them, and we, we just talked about where they're at with their relationship, and sure enough, soon, enough, soon they got engaged. We've done that with other couples. And um, it's, it's just wise, you guys. It's just wise to, um, they can, if there is an issue, you can, you can see it and deal with it before you put a ring on it. So, um, okay, another thing is, um, uh, and Dave always says this, is this is why sex is wrong before marriage. Because you know how it is? You, you well, maybe you know, maybe you don't know. You, um, 
if you're if you have sex before marriage, it's like you put blinders on, okay? And suddenly this girl is yours and that guy is mine and and everything is wonderful and and that kind of thing and you you just don't see everything that's going on. You know, God gave us sex as a gift. Designed it for marriage as a, a strong glue that helps a married couple stay as one. The problem of it is sex outside of marriage, you can be glued to the wrong person. You might ignore all the red flags that we've been talking about because you say, well, it just feels so good and I don't want to lose this. And, 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 and you know, but that's why the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, he who joins himself with a prostitute becomes one with her. In other words, you can be joined with the wrong person because of sex. But you can't build a relationship long term on sex. You have to build it on these other things. So save it for marriage. You'll have plenty of opportunities. It's very enjoyable. The parts fit. Let me trust you. You know, people say, well, you know, got to kick the tire before you go out and buy a vehicle. No, the parts will fit. But here's the thing. You will be more blessed because you'll have God's blessing on your relationship. Delete that comment. That was awkward. Well, sometimes people think, well, how are we going to be compatible? You'll be compatible. Trust me. Anyway. Awkward. <laughs> I'll go hide now. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, um, another thing. I, I, this is huge. Huge, huge, huge. Okay, so when you're single and you're thinking, okay, God, so I'm walking with you. I'm trying to do everything right. I want to get married. Um, you know, can I really trust you to give me an awesome guy or an awesome girl, whatever your situation is? That is the main question, right? Can I trust God? I have to tell you, there was this guy in, in our ministry that we were working with, and um, he was a smart guy. He was a writer. I was a writer, so we were doing projects together and all that kind of stuff. But he just bugged me. I, I didn't like him at all. I mean, he was a friend, but I, I, I just didn't was not attracted to him at all. But here's what I was so scared. I'm thinking, God, I'm serving you and I'm serving alongside him. Please don't make me marry him. <laughs> but God doesn't work that way. God gives us those Ephesians 3.20 answers to our prayers, more than you could ever ask or think. And so as we trust him, as we step out on a limb and say, okay, God, I'm going to resist the world's ways and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to believe that God's going to bring that, that suitable mate into my life, God's going to blow you away. You just got to be patient. Yeah. Now we're going to try, okay. oh, and the scripture for this point is Proverbs 15, 22. We have it? Yeah. Proverbs 15. Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And as a pastor, I have people coming to me sometimes asking for counsel, and I'm able to think of it openly and according to the scriptures, and I can be able to give counsel. But I have other people that come to me not for counsel, but to inform. This is what I'm going to do. Would you pray for me? This is what I'm going to do. They're not asking for counsel at that point in time. They've made their decision. They just want God's blessing on it. Much better to be open, to seek counsel, than just to inform. And so really an important thing. Now, as we get ready to wrap this up before the Q&A, a few things I want to just share. First of all, you did not see on this list that we've talked about, find a perfect person. There's no perfect people. I was far from perfect when we got married. Barb wasn't. We were seeking God, but we didn't find a perfect person, and we're still not perfect. So let me just talk to some of you. Some of you may feel like you're doomed. You have a sexual past already. 
That does not doom you. God's grace is bigger than that. Okay? We both had sexual past. God brought us together, and we have an awesome relationship. You're not doomed. Okay? But what you have to remember is if you sin, or you're sinning right now, you have to repent. You have to forsake it, and you have to pursue God because God does not bless sin. So if you think, oh, we're just going to kind of ask God to bless this relationship, even though we're living in sin, I can guarantee you from the Scripture you will have the hand of God's blessing off of your relationship, and you're going to do it alone, okay? Really, really important. But if you have blown it, God's there to forgive you and help you, and, and many times that is the case. And so uh, if that's the situation, seek God's forgiveness. Hebrews 10, 26 says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there is no sacrifice for sin left. So don't just think, well, God's just going to forgive me anyway. I'm just going to continue to do this and, and so forth. Uh, you know, in that situation, you're on thin ice. Mm -hmm. So don't do it. Now, the last thing I want to just share before I get into the closing scriptures is some of you ladies might think, well, I'm pretty strong in the Lord. And what if God gives me a woman, a guy who is not as strong as me spiritually? And that happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. You want to be kind of on the same page, but a guy can be a spiritual leader without having more Bible knowledge than you. They can be the initiator of prayer. They can initiate, we need to be serving, we are being in church, and so forth. So there was times in our relationship where I felt like Barb had more Bible knowledge than me. I was pursuing a career. I was off going, traveling the world, doing international business, and I wasn't as focused on the Lord for part of our lives. That, and I, and I, I, I know it was a mistake. And Barb was just so, you know, in the word and, and so forth. And she, she was, but you know what? We can still be like, guys, I know my wife is, is you know, knows more of the word, but I can still be a spiritual leader. So initiate prayer and, and so forth. Um, Proverbs 31, 10 through 11 says, A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. See, this is the key. I feel like I'm the most blessed man in the world because I have a wife of noble character. Okay? We've been together 38 years. You might be thinking, well, does it ever wear off? No, it, with God, it gets better. And I truly, it truly and does. she would say the same mm -hmm. thing. It truly gets better mm -hmm. with time. Because we are seeking God, and we've put godly character above the world's ways of doing things. The next passage says Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for the labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other person up. But pity anyone who falls that has no one to help them up. In our relationship together, rarely have Barb and I both been down at the same time. When I'm down... She's there to help me up. I had a situation yesterday where I got really down. I got really depressed over something. You know what she did? She helped lift me back up. She came alongside, serving me, pouring into me, praying for me, and, and, and it didn't stay down very long. So there's such a benefit when you have two spiritually strong people working together because we are going to fall down. You are going to have terrible situations, but the other person's there to serve, and to lift that person back up. And the last uh, point is this. 
God gives his best to those who leave the choice to him. And I think this is such an important thing for all of us to get down deep in our hearts tonight. God gives his best. Are you willing to let him help you in this? Are you willing to do it according to his plan, according to his purposes? That may, may mean doing some things differently than what you have been doing. It may be breaking off a relationship that you know is not good, spiritually uneven. Sexually active, you may need to, well, I know you need to repent and, and get things right. It doesn't mean you have to doom the relationship, but it means you have to do some things differently to have God's blessing on the relationship. Yeah, I heard a quote one time that said, couples don't fall out of love, they fall out of repentance. That's powerful. Because there's always things, you know, we, we, we stumble in many ways, right? That's, that's what James tells us. We stumble in many ways. And, and that's life, guys. We, you know, there's never a perfect day. There's never a perfect person. But when we're doing it together, when we're both committed to God, when we're daily giving ourselves to God and say, God, change me. Change me, God. Use me. Make me who you want me to be. Then it's so much easier. So, um, Yeah. So we're going to pray, and then I'm going to bring Tara up here, okay. and we're going to okay. take some questions. Father, I th thank you for all these who have come out to the harbor and those who are listening to this by podcast. And I pray your blessings upon each person listening to this, Lord God, that they will take to heart some of the things that we've shared from your word, Lord God, that they will truly want to do relationships and, and, and the way that you would want them to do with your wisdom. And Lord, I just pray if there's changes that need to be made in people's lives tonight, whether they're married or single, I pray, Lord God, that you would encourage them. I know you're not here to beat anybody over the head, but you're here to encourage. And Lord, I pray for successful marriages in each person that has that gift to be married someday. And if there are those who have that gift of singleness for the rest of their life, then Lord, help them feel very content in it. Help them to feel like they don't have to be married and that it's actually a great gift to be able to serve you in a greater way. And I just pray blessings over each person now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. And I think we're going to put that text number back up. Do you guys want chairs or would you rather stand? I will stand. Okay, I like that better too. Okay, guys, come on. I've only gotten two questions. I know you got more than that. So send in some questions or I'm going to answer questions from last week. <laughs> Um, all right, our first question for the night says, um, should I wait until I have my life figured out or is it best to grow and learn with my partner? I don't think you ever have life figured out. I don't have my life figured out and I'm, I'm getting up there, so yeah. <laughs> I, I think that you, I, I think a better way to think of that is not wait till you have your life figured out, but wait till you're strong in the Lord. Because God, God will direct your steps. He promises, you know, that he's going to direct our steps. He's going to show us the way. He's going to change our character. He's going to do all these things. And as we're seeking him, seek first, and he will add, right? So you seek him, you get him first place, and then, then I think you're good. Yeah, you know, I really thought as I was pursuing God that God was going to give me a marriage after I graduated from college, after I got my first job, after I had some money in the bank, then I was ready. God had a different plan. I didn't have a job other than a part-time job. As what both of us were going through college with student loans. I mean, we were broke. We didn't have everything all figured out. 
But we did grow together. We did learn. And you know what? As time goes, God's purposes and plans seem to change and shift. And uh, so I, I would much rather do my life with her and figure this out with God than apart from her. Yeah, and we had a very simple lifestyle, and we were fine with that. We, we called our apartment. We lived in the Roach Motel. It had a lot of roaches. Was it in Florida? Uh, no, it was in Iowa. <laughs> Yikes. Um, I grew up in the north, so I know roaches in the north are different than roaches in the south. So um, We didn't have the big flying ones like you have in Florida, but we had You had the bad little ones. Um, so somebody said, what if selfish man meets non-selfish woman? Okay. If a selfish man meets a non-selfish woman, I think the, the unselfish woman has to take her time. And she's got to uh, maybe uh, uh, be very careful in this relationship. Uh, many times a godly woman could be trying to pursue God, and a guy could be come on and be very charming, may even put some pressure on to be sexually active. And uh, ladies, you have to be willing to let him walk. you got to be willing to say no. Because if you're not able to do it then, you're setting yourself up for a pattern of other things in the future. When he goes off on a business trip, how do you know you can trust him? That's a big one. That's why trust is developed in a relationship, especially when you say, we're not going to go sexually active. We're going to wait for God. Do you realize how much trust is built in a relationship? You're really, I know I can trust them. But when a person can't be trusted, that, that really sets the relationship off on a bad foundation. And so um, I would say um, don't go deep into that relationship if, if you know somebody is selfish. Now, pray for them to change, and they can change. Talk it out. Pray with them. Make sure that they you know, can be encouraged to follow Christ and so forth. But uh, uh, I would just make sure that uh, you don't go too deep in the relationship until you can see that their unselfish person is with an unselfish person. Um, I got two questions of when do you know when it's time to propose or put a ring on it? Ah, What, that one? I don't know if I can tell you. I think everybody's situation is different. I think you pray. I believe you seek God. Will you have it all figured out? No. Will you have enough money? Probably not. But I I think... This is what I have found in my life where God is guiding me. Like, how do you know God's will for these big things? Here's what I have found. First of all, God's will is not like one thing one week and something different the next week. It's the same thing. And it just continues to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So it's always moving in the same direction, and it gets stronger and stronger. Like I said, for me, it was like I can't even concentrate on my work because I really believe I'm supposed to be engaged to her. I'm really supposed to ask her for marriage. And it was like I was putting it off. I was trying to say, no, God, now it's not the right time for me, even though she's a wonderful lady and so forth. I just, no, no, no. But God was like, he, 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 sometimes when he's telling this with friends, he says, I say, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Well, I have my reasons. I, I, you know, you, you can see how poor we were when I had to take money out of the cards to go camping. I mean, that was poor. But we made it work. And I actually think it was a great foundation for our relationship because it didn't start off materially. We went to garage sales to buy our furniture. That's how we, we furnished our first apartment. We, we didn't have a whole bunch of stuff. 
So, um, but I, can, I, I think you just seek God, and, and you have that feeling, that peace inside. But then try to do all the other things, especially seek counsel. Now, I can tell you sometimes parents will say, well, no, you shouldn't be getting married. Go more by what God says, okay? But you do want to seek godly input. But make sure if, they're, if you're going to your parents that they're truly godly influences, not just parents. Because sometimes I, I've had young people come into my office and tell me, uh, we would like to get married, but you know what our parents say? You guys ought to just live together first. Mm. I was like, no, what, what's wrong with these parents? They're thinking of it all worldly. So think of it biblically. The Bible says the marriage bed must be undefiled. That comes from Hebrews 13. That's good. Um, sorry if I butcher this question, whoever asked it. It says, is it wrong to go searching for your future wife? Or I think they mean to wait on something spontaneous to happen. Or should you wait on something spontaneous to happen? Spontaneous or search, is that right? Yeah. Um, I have no problem with going to uh, on, online. I would say half the weddings that I do anymore, the couples met online. Okay? So that's not a problem if you feel like you're at that stage and, and you're not finding anybody in the area you're working. But let me tell you this. All the principles we just talked about tonight still apply. Whether you meet online or you meet spontaneous here at the harbor or you meet at the gym or you meet in a class, the principles still apply. I can't tell you what method you should do. I think that's a personal decision and, and choice and so forth. But if you're at a stage where you feel like, I'm at a stage, I would like to be married. Remember what that first scripture I used? He who finds a wife. In other words, you got to seek. you got to find. It's, it's okay to seek. Okay? Seeking is different than stalking. So be careful in that respect. But uh, there's many different ways you can do it. Just apply the same wisdom. Uh, and if you meet, then you're going to do just like what we talked about. Meet in a public place, go for coffee, get to know each other without a big heavy, you know, uh, expectation of an of a official date and so forth. Let me just back up to this thing about when you know you're ready for marriage and, you know, money and all that. Because money is always an issue, right? I mean, is, is money never an issue? It's always an issue. But here's what we decided early on is that our lifestyle would be simple. <laughs> we're, we weren't going to go out and buy new furniture. We, weren't, we, don't buy, we don't drive new cars. We don't, we don't do that stuff. That's just not us. But that freed us up to married, get married earlier because we weren't trying to furnish a whole house and we weren't trying to have the latest, greatest, this or that. That just wasn't us. And so, so that, if you take your, that pressure off of your future husband, he will appreciate it. Okay, because it, then you don't have to have that killer job and that killer whatever, you know, you can just do life together. So, yeah. Somebody wants to know, what are wedding cards? You keep saying you took money out of wedding cards to go camping. What are wedding cards? You know, when you get married, people give you a gift or they, they, they put a card in a box or a birdcage or something, a card, That's a so wedding funny. card, you know. Card. And they put a, like a card, you know, you open up and read. I know, everybody's electronic these days, right? But they would put money in there as a gift, so that's what it was. Okay, this is a good question. How much time should be spent pursuing the Lord together versus time spent pursuing the Lord on your own? Well, that's a good question. You want to talk that about? is a good question. So in the context of dating. Yeah. There you go. You know, um, we may be a little different in this because um, I'm, well, well, first of all, you just have to know this. 
my first love is Jesus. And he is way up that high. And then here's Dave. And I love him a ton. But near, not nearly as much as I love Jesus. Do you understand that? And it's not a cut to him at all. So my time is with Jesus. I love Jesus. And I want, I want what he wants to give me. I want to, you know, pour back into him love and stuff. And then we come together and we pray together and we... You know, many times a day, if there's something that comes up and we've got an issue, we'll just grab hands and pray. Hey, let's pray about that. Yeah. Even today, there was quite a few times where we stopped and prayed together. But I always have my own quiet time in the morning. She has her own. We don't have it together. If you do that as a couple, that's okay, but that's, that's extra credit at that point. You have to have your own because, remember, it's a personal relationship with God. So don't ever let the relationship with God be about the couple together all the time. And what Barb said is the same thing I feel, like God is so much number one. But by God being so much number one than, than me trying to make Barb, I truly believe I love her more selfishly, I mean unselfishly, than I would be if I tried to love her as she was my number one. Because when we love God, he fills our heart with his kind of love, which is sacrificial and unconditional. That's how I can serve her when, I, when I'm tired, when she's not as lovable. I can serve her and look past her faults at that moment because I have the love of Christ in me. And that comes from being in him, being with him and being under his influence. So I do know this. In, the, in the one time in our marriage, there was a time where I got out of balance and I wasn't spending time with God, not on a regular basis. And she could tell it because I was more irritated more angry, things would set me off. I just was not as full of the Spirit. And um, I didn't like the person I had become. I was, I was not a good parent at the time. And God had to turn my heart back around and get it to where I was focused on God because it, I was out of balance for a while. Let me just give you a little tip, too, for when you do get married or if you're in a relationship or whatever. This has changed our life, and it's like the easiest thing to do. Uh, when we have, you know, you're going through life and, and all of a sudden something comes up and you can tell it's tense, okay? Something's not great between you. You know, one of you is starting to get a little mad about something. We have learned to grab hands. The one, we always say the one that's more spiritual at the time because there will be one. <laughs> and, and just say, let's pray. And we just say, God, we need your help. We just need your help. Help us communicate about this. Help us talk it out. And what happens, the, the, the situation's still there. There's still a problem when, we, when we're done praying. But what happens is the emotion comes down a little bit, and we are able to be more honest with each other. And usually what happens is I can say, I just feel this way when you do that. Or he'll say, this is what's bothering me. And that's huge, guys. If you can do it before, before it's an argument, okay, that's, you can avoid many arguments. Yeah. So our spiritual life is important together, but most important is our individual spiritual life. I, I'm glad that you guys hold hands. There's a couple on TikTok that would sit toes to toes, and they said that worked for them. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. That was my response, too. Um, are you guys good with a few more questions? Yes? No? Okay, we'll go with a few more. <laughs> um, what are your views on church hopping to find a spouse? Oh, oh, how many of us are guilty um, of that? I wouldn't be a fan because I don't believe a person should be church hopping. 
I believe a person should seek God and where he's placed them. He, the scripture says in, um, I think it's in First uh, Corinthians 12, but he places us each into the body where he wants us to be. And I believe God calls us to a church. Now, if you're in a church and you happen to meet someone and they're from another church, you know, at some point in time, if God puts you guys together, you're going to have to pick a church. But I don't believe you should just be like, I'm just going from church to church just to see who's there. Just like I don't think you should come to the harbor just to see, oh, and watch everybody, you know. Instead of, instead of during worship, your eyes are around, oh, they're cute. Oh, they're, oh, I like that. You know what I'm saying? That is out of balance. You're here, hopefully, to worship God and to learn his word. That's the priority. Remember, the first point tonight was trust God and to serve him. You do that and watch what God does. And you know what he often does? He puts people across our path that we happen to be serving with. I've seen it so many times. But again, uh, I, I would just say I'm not a big fan of church hopping in general, let alone. Now, if God's put it on your heart that you need to find a different church and you're going, for, then do that for that reason, but not to find a, a spouse. That's good. <laughs> I won't say anything. All right. I'm staying, guys. I'm not going anywhere else. (laughs) Um, Okay, this one is interesting because I could say I feel this one. Um, It says, should I pursue a relationship if I can't confidently answer yes to the three, am I ready for marriage questions? Let's say I could answer one or two of them, but not all three. Should I take time to grow or would it at least be okay to try dating while seeking to grow in the areas? I will say for me, I, I could say yes to the three, but the person who wants to be in a relationship couldn't. Um, so do you wait for them to grow or do you grow or what? Uh, I think that, um, I mean, we're never perfect. We'll never be perfect. These are like goals. These are like, you know what I mean? These are like things you want to work toward just to be a nice spouse, you know what I mean? To be the person that that person wants to spend the rest of his life with. Um, I think that there are things you want to work with. I think there are things you can talk about, you know? If you're in a relationship and think, well, where could, where could I work? Ask that person, what could I work on? That's a really good thing to do. And then hopefully he or she would say, what could I work on? And, and you could have that conversation. We're big communicators. One of the things that Barb and I have always been able to do is speak openly and honestly with each other in a corrective way. Do you ever find there's people that, if you cannot correct, they immediately are denial, they're defensive, they've shifted off to someone else. So if you're in a relationship, and like Barb said, nobody's gonna be perfect. So maybe you've worked on the, the three things on her tests that she did, you know, am I taking care of my things and so forth, but somebody's not, then bring it up and talk to them about it. Hey, I see, you seem to be not really taking care of your hygiene. You know, you kind of, you need to shower a little bit. You need to take care of your clothes, you know. Maybe let's go out and do some shopping, you know what I'm saying? Um, if they're all defensive and angry at you, that's a red flag, isn't it? If they're like, man, would you help me? I, I need some help in this area. Then you're growing together and you're changing. So while nobody's perfect, you can bring things up and talk about them. I'll give you an example. I was not a really great communicator. I don't know if I still am, but I'm much better than I used to be. In my family growing up, we all yelled at each other and we interrupted each other. Very super direct with each other. Her family didn't do that. So we were in the early days of going out with couples. I would say afterwards, like, man, that was a great, I really enjoyed being out with them. And it was such a nice time. And she would say something like, 
yeah, but you were always interrupting them. My first response was, what? No, I wasn't. Oh, yeah, you were interrupting them. And I heard that over several times. And I was like, I don't see it. So I finally, I became open. And I said, Barb, you have permission. If I'm ever interrupting, you can give me a little kick under the table or give me the eye. You know, all the know the eye, right? I still have permanent bruises on my shins from how many times? No, no I'm kidding there. So many times she would like give me a little kick and I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Go ahead, what were you saying? I didn't realize I was doing it. So there was a time where I was not good at something, but she was helping me, but I had to be open for it. So I would just say, be open and see if the other person's open. If they're not open, then you're going to have to evaluate and see, okay, is this relationship going anywhere? Are they stuck in their ways? Am I always going to have to lead that person? That's good. <laughs> um, this kind of, that question, well, your answer kind of flows into this question, which is if you talk to your partner about something that bothers you and they don't address the issue, how do you proceed? I'd say bring it up again. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're not married, you're not locked in yet, okay? Even if you're, even if you're serious, um, you know, if, if you want to end up with a person that cares about what you care about, and maybe they weren't listening the first time, which is a very good possibility. Maybe they're distracted. Maybe they didn't realize that it really matters to you. It wasn't just a passing thing. One of the things we have learned to do is that, you know, there would be times when I would say something and it would kind of go in one ear and out the other just because he wasn't paying, paying attention, you know. And so we, we kind of developed this little thing where we'll say, hon, I need to talk to you about something. And we touch, you know, if you touch each other, it kind of shows that, you know, hey, I care about you. I just need to talk to you about something. And then we'd say, you know, you might not like to hear it, you know, but we need to talk about it. And that signals each other when we do that, that, okay, just hear me out, you know, just hear him out. Don't get defensive, don't jump down his throat, and just hear what he has to say. And then, here's the key to that. Right when they're sharing something, and it's probably something you're not going to want to hear, okay? Right when they're sharing, you got to say, okay, God, if this, is, if this is something I need to work on, help me do it. Right in that moment. Because if you don't, you're, you're going to be like mad and saying, what is he talking about? I'm not doing that, or I'm, I'm you know, get defensive. One of the things I've learned is that I am a mirror to her, and she's a mirror to me. And what do I mean by that? I don't see how I come across, but she does. And so I'm dependent on that feedback, and likewise. So oftentimes we do stuff that's damaging to relationships, and we don't even realize we do it. I didn't realize I was interrupting all the time, but she was a mirror. She was telling me and showing me, and I'm like, then I have a choice. Do I do something about it or not? And I just finally decided, I guess I need to do something about it. And so that's, so. That's good. Does that answer it? Yeah, it definitely does. I like the light touch, like, hey, let's talk. Yeah. It's like, I do care about you. I'm not about to be a oh, jerk. we got to talk about something here. <laughs> Here's a, yeah. Okay, do you, we're going to do two more questions. Do you want to end on a light note or do you want to end on a hard question? Let's end on a light note. Okay, all right. So I don't, I don't know if it's the same person sending the same question twice or um, different, but somebody wants to know, like, your thoughts 
on the extreme feminism that has entered the church and how crucial it negatively affects a marriage. Clearly, he has the question. I assume what you're talking about extreme feminism is, is with, with guys not being guys. Is that what I'm talking about? No. no? Quentin? Or girls being too strong. I don't know what... Yeah. Okay, now I know where you're talking, no, you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, um, I didn't write the Bible. I just, I just teach it, and the, and God did put man in the as the husband to be the spiritual leader of the home. You know what that means? He's accountable to God on how he leads, does not make him more important, does not make him more valuable, does not make him the dictator. It means he's accountable to God. The Bible in Ephesians 5 says the man, the husband is like Christ. In other words, we're the head sacrificer. So while I'm the leader, I'm also the head sacrificer. I have to be like Jesus to lay down my life. So I'm going to sacrifice for her. For a woman... The role is to come alongside and to be a helpmate and to submit to my leadership. But here's what I have found. Because Ephesians 5.21 says, right before it gets into the man's role and female's role, it says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So you know how I, how I tried to lead? I try to lead by let's make decisions together. Let's work together to make decisions. I'm not the dictator. I'm not barking orders. Let's, because I know I'm going to make the best decisions with her input. We make them together, and then we move down the path. And I can tell you, sometimes we'll go my way, sometimes we go her way. But I'm the one that's ultimately responsible. So somebody has to be a leader. And do you know the Trinity has a leadership? The Father, Jesus says, I don't do anything without the Father telling me. And the Holy Spirit says, I don't do anything on my own accord. I'm pointing everybody to Jesus. So there's even an authority structure within the Trinity. It's all God, and God's calling us to be one. So I do not believe in this whole thing where you can't have these roles now and so forth. No, men, we have to be men. We have to lead. And I really believe, if you've ever heard this saying before, oh, we know who wears the pants in that family. You know what they're saying, right? They're saying the woman's in charge. She's leading. That's not, an, that's not an indictment against the woman. That's an indictment against the man not leading. Okay? Because a woman, if the man won't lead, guess what? She will. Women are more wired for relationships than us men. We're wired more for accomplishments. Women more for relationships. So I really believe God's given us the, the, the order. It's not all men over all women. It's only a husband with a wife relationship. But we are not to lead strongly like we need to lead with sacrifice. But we remember we're accountable to God. And so that's what I believe. I don't know if that answers your question. And I believe that's what the scripture teaches. And I believe that's what is needed for a good godly home. Okay. But let me make no mistake. My wife is not a doormat. 
Okay? Like I said, I value her input. She's a team player. We work together to make decisions. Let me show you what, what I have decided. And, and actually, submission isn't even an issue anymore. When, when you're doing life together and you're both answering to God, it's not even an issue. It's, it's like non-existent. But here's my picture of uh, submission to my husband right here like this. We're, we're arm in arm. We're doing life. We love each other. And he's slightly leaning over me. And I'm, I'm like, like they always say, the executive vice president, right? <laughs> yep. I love that. I hope, I hope that helped and gave you some context. And maybe, maybe if you want to talk more about it afterwards, we can. All right, so here's the fun one. Do you guys enjoy the same hobbies or free time activities together? Oh, you want to talk about that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, at first, we didn't as much. Um, I think I had my areas. She had her areas. I remember I was really into fishing. She went with fishing with me once. Um, <laughs> but she liked shopping. I hate shopping. Oh, I loved it when Amazon came on board. I could just sit there from my computer and do it. I don't have to even drive anywhere. If you can't find it on Amazon, you don't need it. But... Here's what we've learned. We needed something that we enjoyed together. You know what we end up finding? First of all, our primary thing that we enjoy doing together is what you're seeing us do right now, ministry. We go on three or four, this is pre-pandemic now, three or four mission trips a year. We go to other countries and we speak and we teach together. We love doing ministry. We were doing it before we got married, before we were engaged, and we've been doing it ever since. Always, wherever God led me. And I spent 20 years in corporate America, 20 years now here as a pastor at the church. So, but we were, I was serving those 20 years when I was in corporate America. Always serving. We were doing marriages, uh, marriage conferences and, and retreats and, and uh, uh, home groups and all that kind of stuff. So serving was the primary thing. But now in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, we really enjoy bicycling. So we bicycle together. We go all over. Um, take our bikes, and we just really enjoy it. We like hiking. We like going to the mountains, going to the beach, outdoors stuff, exercise stuff. You know, our idea of a vacation is take the Fitbit and see how many miles, how many flights of stairs we can get in on, on a given day, you know. And, and we enjoy that kind of thing. And, of course, we enjoy other types of things like eating out together. And, but, uh, and also a big thing is we now have four grandkids, we enjoy so much being with our grandkids and playing with them and, and being with them. And so family is another big thing that we have in common. One quick follow-up question. Bicycling, are we talking leisurely rides or are we talking road bikes, helmets, outfits, go? No, I've gotten rid of the road bike. I oh, you did? Uh, if you're in a road bike, you're taking your life in your hands anymore. And so we've gone to the more of the bikes on bike trails and sidewalks and, and uh, residential streets try to stay off the roads, uh, got rid of the skinny tires, all that type of stuff. So, but we, more leisurely. Gotcha. And we love going places like Hilton Head Island. It's a wonderful place that we love. Yeah, we'll do, well, yeah, we'll, she did 50 miles with me once a day, one day. But, so we'll do quite a few miles when we have the time, but yeah, we enjoy it. Awesome. But it's more just to sightsee and talk and get some exercise. Nice. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. Pastor Dave or Barb, do you either one of you want to pray us out for the night? Why don't you pray? I prayed earlier. Sure. Okay. 
Father, I just thank you for everyone in this room tonight, Lord God. And I know each one has more questions than we could even start to address tonight, Lord God. But I just pray that, um, just like in the scripture, uh, you say that when I got alone, or when you got alone with your own disciples, you explained everything. And Lord, I pray that they will go away tonight wanting more from you, God, that, that they will want you to explain life to you, to them, and that they will set aside that time to be with you and to hear from you and to learn from you, God. Father, we pray for the uh, relationships in this room and the ones that will come um, from this room, Lord God, and we pray your blessings on them, God. We pray that they will be strong in you and that you will link them up with the, the people that are the desire of their heart that, and they can do ministry together um, until you come back, Lord God. So we just thank you for that, Lord. We believe that you've got awesome things ahead for them and we're just excited to see uh, that happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.